Welcome to Turn the Dial Podcast, hosted by Scott and Renee Comey. Scott and Renee are real estate industry experts, having reached the top 1% in the nation as both agents and brokerage owners. Their insights, ideas, and suggestions will help guide you to a place where achieving your life aspirations is fully possible. Well, we are so pumped up to have a very special guest on our show, Corwin Millett. And he is the broker owner of Exit Realty Low Country Group in North Charleston, South Carolina. And he's the founder of Corwin J. Millett and Associates. Corwin has a successful podcast himself called Exit Strategies Radio Show, which by the way, I was just on. <laughs> so check that, that episode as well. But the radio show's mission statement is to empower his community through financial literacy and real estate education, which I love. He is a trailblazer and a leader in the real estate community at large. In his podcast, Corwin shares with you tremendous opportunities and helpful nuggets on how to successfully achieve your home ownership goals and leave a legacy to your children's children. I love that. Well, welcome to the show, Corwin. Scott, thank you so much for having me on, my man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we first met at the NAR conference. I want to first let our guests know how you and I even came about, you know, and I believe, I think you, you said it in your show. I believe that I'm meant to have the people be put in front of me that are supposed to be put in front of me. And here you are just kind of walking past and we stopped, we had a conversation. We talked a little bit about the 12 week year, which you're very passionate about as well. And we just kind of hit it off and lo and behold, I find out that you've got a podcast. You find out that I've got a podcast and that's how we connected. (laughs) So I love it. I love it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, so, you know, bumping into you at NAR and what's interesting is is we kind of talked a little bit earlier today, we kind of have parallel paths, Mm -hmm. so to speak. That was very, very interesting to find out that we both went into being real estate brokers around the same time running companies. And at some point in time, we both, you know, decided, hey, we want better systems, we franchise and all that kind of stuff. So it's impressive, you know, as we kind of kept having that conversation. So in this situation, what we've determined is I'm a darker skinned version of you with no hair and more beard. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So if you're listening, boom, now you've got an image. (laughs) (laughs) And on a Corwin show, he described me as a Sherpa, which I loved. That was really cool. So I'm going to have to put, create an image now, you know, of a Sherpa. Maybe I'll incorporate it into my logo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I love it. I love it, Scott. Oh man. Well, cool. No, you're good. So talk to us first, if you don't mind, you're from the North Charleston area, South Carolina. Talk to us a little bit just about your local market. How are sales? What are home prices doing, et cetera? So, Scott, that's a very broad question. Yeah. And how the market is going is really according to who you're talking to. Yeah. I used to have a client. Well, let me phrase that. He is he was my car guy. I bought a couple of cars from used to used to sell cars. Then he's doing other things. I've sold them. Oh, Lord. Sold two, three, four houses, bought kind of the opposite number with them as well over the years. But he used to say this thing to me, Scott. He'd say business is slow for slow minded people. And that thing, that thing was sting. Yep. So what I will tell you is the market overall is amazing. Now, what I will couple that with is activities fluctuates. Yeah, our sales, we got more inventory than what we had. You know, our sales have slowed a little, but people are still buying and selling real estate every day. Yep. Yep. I hear you. Yeah. And you know, it's funny about that is, you know, you brought up the fact that you and I both have gone through the Great Recession, right? I like to call us survivors. (laughs) 
we survived yeah, 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 that, yeah, that rough yeah. patch. But you know, back then you, you just said the market has slowed and inventory has gone up a little bit, but there's p- still people buying and selling, which is very true across the country. You know, in 2009, at one point I had 15 listings and my average time on market at that time was nine months. So when sellers are having to wait a li- you know, a few extra weeks or maybe an extra month or six weeks or whatever more than they did a year ago, that's still very good. So I think that that's something to be considered in comparing Definitely. that. Yeah. You know, so my, my business over the years, I was buyer heavy as a brand new agent, you know, became very versed, very seasoned with that. And at some point in time, and to be blunt about it, it really probably was either doing or coming out of the recession is when I managed to turn my business over to being more listing heavy. Going into, I was, you know, working with buyers. And again, as we we talk about legacy, helping people to establish financial, you know, reach financial goals, you know, leveraging real estate in order to do so. That was the mantra. That was the thing that we were doing constantly working with first time home buyers, finding options and things. And, and to be very transparent, it hasn't been my best year ever. I've had years better, but as I was still, you know, was in the beginning of, of the market, that 2008, maybe 2009 mark, I tell people I was too stupid, if you will. Right. I just believe, right. hey, the opportunity, it's a great opportunity, which it was. Yeah. Because when I go back to some of those people now, look, their house is worth several times. Oh, yeah. In some instances, but they paid for it. Right. And so now the conversation is, hey, I had a great year. I mean, I that was the first year as a single solo agent, I did over 40 transactions. Wow. You wow. know, awesome. Because we're just rocking and rolling. Yeah. Prices are coming down. You need to buy. Prices are coming down. You need to buy. Real estate is a long-term investment. You need to buy. You need to own it because that's what it is because we got Mm -hmm. so caught up in short-term gains that we missed the reality. And that that's what we are again. We've cycled around to that same thing again. Right. You know, and not to get too far forward, but you know, Scott, we cycle back to that where agents as well as consumers, because agents started, are focused on short-term gains, but not the long-term reality. Real estate is long ball. Yes. That's what it is. It is long ball. Yep. That's where we going. Yep. So yep. we definitely, you know, are seeing that, that that's the conversation that needs to be had now that real estate is a long ball game. It's not short-term gains anymore. Right. You know, and b- before I move on to, to another question for you about financial literacy and, and legacy, I want to play on this a little bit longer, this conversation we're having, because there's a lot of real estate agents that are very scared about what 2023 is going to bring. And, you know, we shared about the forecast of the number of home sales is going to be down a little bit again in 2023, roughly 7% nationally, 200,000 agents are likely going to get out of the business in 2023, but a lot of agents are going to thrive and they're going to see this as a time of opportunity. And I think you nailed it with your quote that you shared. It's all about mindset, right? It's all how you look at it. You know, it could be dreary, but does it have to be? (laughs) So Love it. So, you know, with our agent group, I, I share various things. And most of the stuff I really focus on is that mindset piece. Fear is necessary. Sure. And I share this with my group. And, and if you want me to, I'll pull and give you the verbatim what I share with them on a post in our Facebook group. But essentially, fear is useful. Yep. It has purpose. It's going to do one of two things. One, it is going to envelop you. It is going to hold you right where you are. Mm-hmm. All right. And you won't escape it. Okay. You'll get comfortable in it you and you won't do anything, which means that you won't step out and call that seller, that for sale by owner that you know ain't getting no bites. Right. Because one, they probably priced wrong. They didn't know how to price it. And number two, 
they're not getting the exposure and they're not in in the markets and arenas that you could be in. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of that fear for your listeners, agents, whoever, consumers, whoever it is, fear on the other side can be a catalyst for you because as you fight within that fear, as you fight to overcome it, it will launch you and propel you forward. Yes. If you fight it, right. You fight the fear. If you overcome the fear, when you come out of it, you will have momentum, which means you're going to blast out through it and you're going to find yourself making essentially a beeline, if you will, straight towards success because you have overcome the fear. And the fear is simple things like, you know, as I said to my group this morning, because, you know, I have a list of things that I spanned. I'm probably going to add a few more things to it here recently, excuse me, here, you know, soon. Yeah. But I have a list of things, Scott, that I tell my agents don't say to me. Don't say to me that you can't. Don't say to me that there's certain things that, Lord, there's a bunch of them. I, I don't <laughs> right. want to do that. I feel like I shouldn't have to do that. Right, right. But fear is embedded in all those things. It's embedded in, well, I can't make them sign. No, you can't make them sign. But what you can do on the hope side, on the hope side, you can say, what can I do to convey to them that in this current situation, this is their best opportunity? Yep. Because just going in with the mantra of I can't make them sign and accepting that and not doing all that you could do, not finding new ways, not giving them other information, not exposing them to what, what it is you know, that is just your fear stopping you from doing what it is you could do. Yeah. So that is all that mindset. You know, you got to overcome that fear. You got to, if the person that you call prospecting, if that person cussed you out, <laughs> you know, now every time, the, every time you look at the phone to make another prospecting call, you're reliving it. Right. You know, so now it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But what you have to do is get over that fear and say, you know what? Hey, that person just having a bad day. I'm going to have a better day. I'm going to call the next person. And Grant Cardone, matter of fact, wasn't even him. It was not motorbike Mike. Sales gravy. I forgot that dude's, but um, that guy, I've lost losing his name, but he he talks about sales. You got to do one more. Right. You got to do one more. So when you have that experience where you've called that consumer and they've laid you out and they made you feel some kind of way, and maybe just that particular day you was having a rough day and that just kind of turned it the wrong direction, you got to pick up the phone and call somebody else because you can't let that end your day. Right. Because when that ends your day, you carry that and the next day starts and you haven't overcome it. The next phone call is where you have the opportunity to overcome that. And that next phone call just may be the person who's going to give you their business, who's right. going to say, hey, come and list my house, who's going to say, hey, this is the house I want to buy. Can you help me buy it? You have to go on. You cannot give up. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, you're right about fear. Yeah, it could paralyze you or it can propel you, right? And it's your choice. You've got the choice. And so I love that you shared that whole story, that whole analogy. And I love that you've got things that you tell your agents, don't come to me and say these things to me, right? Because you can, yeah, yeah. I can't do this. No, you can, right? You just choose so, not to. <laughs> exactly. So different screen before, but I started doing that because don't tell me. So here's the thing. And I, Scott, I don't know if you're into, you know, automotives or, or you know, cars or whatever. So my brother, my younger brother, but he's in, in the cars, right? So he was in high school and he had bought this, I think it was a Mustang or something. He bought this car, right? And he essentially decided to rebuild the engine, right? At my dad's house, you know, at his parents' house. 
So he takes the whole car apart. He's never like he hadn't been to mechanic school or nothing. Right. Wow. He tore the whole car apart <laughs> in the garage in the driveway. He took the whoa, whole thing. Whoa. My dad, when he told me, when he was telling me about it, he was shaking his head. He was like, I don't know. Right. But he puts the whole thing back together. Hmm. Whole thing. So he t- it took him a while, but he tore it all the way down. Yep. And he put the whole car back together. Engine took all that stuff apart, put everything back. And he turned the key. My dad was scared to death. It, you know, it was going to blow up. But he turned the key and it started, <laughs> ran like a top. Wow. But he replaced everything he felt he needed to replace. He put it all back together, right? Wow. Had never done it before. Yeah. I can't tell him. I cannot tell him anything about an engine, about a car. I can't. I mean, the only thing I can tell him is what might be on the new that's coming. But when it comes to operation, how to, in that respect, mm-hmm. what's amazing to me is that as an agent, you will say to your broker, or you'll say to someone who is successful in this business that you can't do that or that won't work or all these other things. And all it is is because you lack the faith to do it. Right. See, my brother had the faith that he could take that car apart and put it back together. Agents will not take their business apart and change the pieces in their business that are malfunctioning. Yep. They won't do that. Your time management is malfunctioning. You need to take that out and replace it. Your prospecting skills. You need to learn new ones. You need to take that out and replace it. Your lead generation. Oh, that ain't working. You need to take that out. You need to replace it. You won't take out the pieces. And sometimes it's us and I'm because we won't delegate the time necessary in our business to find a success at the level that we want to be at. Mm -hmm. We won't change it. My brother had faith that I can take this car apart. I can put it back together and it's going to run. He in turn later went back and restructured the thing, turned the doggone thing into a race car and would take it out to the drag strip and race it Wow! and would win money. Nice. Nice. Yeah. My dad was scared to death of it. He was like, <laughs> my, dad, my dad, my dad liked speed. My dad was scared to death of it. He's like, son, he said, I think he said, I, he said, I saw him saying that thing up. Like they said, I'm not getting in that car. <laughs> <laughs> but my brother had that faith. Yeah. And in yeah. our businesses, Scott, your listeners, the agents, you have to have that degree of faith in your business, not you. It ain't about you. Right. It's not saying that I'm the best, this here, that, and the third, but that if I do this, that this will work. It may not work, work the way that you want it to. So I got to have to tweak it. Yep. But that, okay, I need to take out, okay, if I crank it up and it's knocking, hold on, let me shut it off. Let me open it back up. Let me take out that part that's bad, replace it with something different. Let's start this thing up again and see what happens until we get it to run smoothly like we want it to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, if you want a different result, you have to do something different, right? You can't keep doing the same thing you're doing, which probably is staying in your comfort zone and doing things that you just like to do, but you know that there's things you probably should do that will actually get you those bigger ambitious goals or those life aspirational things. Mm -hmm. So exactly. A lot of agents Everyone wants to operate with a safety net. I told you, you know, I've, I've had some real estate coaches in the past. You do an amazing job, man. You, you're knocking it out of the park as it relates to, you know, helping agents as you serve. So I, I have a, a coach now that he coaches corporate people. So he, it's not industry specific. Right. Because we're working on changing and doing some different things with structure. But one of the things that he was talking about an opportunity. So, I, you know, I've been offered, afforded some opportunities here recently and as I look at him, he said something to me, he said, quote, when he said, for an entrepreneur, it's not about the grass being green on the other side. It's not about what it is that you're going to gain. It's about what do you have to give up? Mm. And I said this in a post to our agents in our group last night, that success in anything, anything 
requires you to sacrifice something, mm-hmm. something you yeah. got to sacrifice. Yeah. So what are you willing to give up to be successful? That's boom, right there. That, that's huge. You got to give up something. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I, I think it is for a lot of people? For a lot of people, it's, it's fear. <laughs> for a lot of people, they need to give up the fear of making calls. You know, they need to give that up. They need to face that fear, right? Well, if you're hungry, and that goes a couple of different ways. If you are physically hungry, you will do what you need to do so you can eat. Yeah. yeah. You do everything that you can to eat. So you have to be hungry. And yeah. whether that means if you're physically hungry enough and you know that if I make these 20 phone calls, at least one or two of these people are going to feed me today, you're going to call 20 people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. You, you mentioned the safety net. You know, one of the things I've, and on your podcast, we talked a little bit about new agents entering the marketplace. The thing with new agents, when I interview somebody that's thinking about joining our brokerage as a brand new agent, one of the things that I have recently started to demand is that they don't have a safety net because I want to feel like they are all in that if they don't get going in their business, that they aren't going to be able to pay their rent or their mortgage. They're not going to be able to feed their kids. I mean, can you imagine the stress of that? going to be a motivator for you, right? It's going to cause you to do things you wouldn't normally do. So, and I'm not saying there are some, I've got some part-time agents at my brokerage that are phenomenal. So I'm not saying it can't be done, but for the majority of people, you're right. They almost demand a safety net, but it is a hindrance to massive success and your ultimate goals, right? So I'm going to give you two things. One, I'm going to tell you, when I started in the business, I was part-time. I was a full-time retail manager. In 2006, I did 20 some odd transactions as a single agent. Wow. Work with a full-time retail management job. In the 2006, I bought a house. And when I closed, I gave notice and I quit. And I Boom. was full-time in the business yep. after. Nice. So I know it can be done. So an agent oh, can sure. tell me that. Yeah. The second thing, going back to you want to fully commit it. So I'm going to give you something here. And, and, and hopefully your listeners get it and they get it and they keep it. So- you in the South now. So I know, granted, you you might not have had a, a full Southern breakfast in Seattle before, but you in Mer- and you in Myrtle Vegas now. Maybe, so <laughs> we, we got to get it in. But at breakfast time, you got eggs, you got bacon, you might have grits, you might have toast. All right. At breakfast time, the chicken, all they had to do was lay an egg. But see, that hog had to be committed. That mm. hog had to give up something major in order to be a part of breakfast. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. So. Your chicken is a contributor, but your hog, your pig, look, if you had steak and eggs, your cow yeah. was fully committed. Oh, yeah. If I tell my agents, don't you be no chicken around here. Don't be no chicken. You don't want to be a contributor. You want to be whole hog, whole cow invested. You want to be fully committed. Yeah. That is something for your listeners to take. it In the morning when they get up, am I a chicken? Am I a hog or a cow? Whichever meat you want on that, there's something that had to give up its life, yeah, give up its existence, if you will, in order to be a part of this. So if you want to be a part of success, if you want to be a part of a successful, build a successful company, you have to be whole hog, whole cow committed. You can't be a chicken. I love that analogy. That is awesome. I'm going to steal that and use it. Love it. Please go right ahead. Well, cool. Well, I'm going to get into my next question for you. So I love the mission, as I mentioned, of your podcast. So let's go back to when you first had the thought of starting the podcast. What were your motivations to start the podcast? And when did you start your podcast? Lord. So I got to take you back because it was a radio show 
first. It still is before we converted as a podcast as well. So I've been in radio, on radio. I started as, as a guest speaker, then guest host, and then I became a co-host of a radio show. The show I co-hosted was a show that we focused on financial literacy. It was Money Matters, actually, was the name of the show. If you don't mind, a shout out to Lynette Green, who was the brainchild in that. She was an accountant and, you know, dealt with money. So, you know, we had those conversations and we she started a show and I co-hosted that show with her for about a year, maybe a year and a half. So I've been on the radio for, I want to say this year is either number five or number six. Wow. I've been on the radio with Exit Strategies Radio Show. And it was designed to, again, our goal is to empower. So our mission is to empower um, our community through financial literacy and real estate education. You know, we put a tag on that that says that, you know, we're legacy building because that's what we focus on is helping people to build and, and create legacy. And I don't want to go too far, Scott. I don't know your listeners, but I operate from the perspective of inheritance for your children's children, children, and so forth and so on. Right. And in turn, that's the conversation that we have. That's what we talk about on air. How do we help people establish today or build on today for their family for generations to come. That is amazing. And I didn't know that you were on the radio for so long. That's really cool. You definitely have a voice for it. So I love that. Well, that's interesting. You know, and I didn't plan it. You yeah, know, yeah. I didn't. But, you know, what I wanted to do is be able to serve our community. I wanted to be able to give a voice because everybody's out here talking about every get rich quick scheme right, and exactly how yeah. you can do this. And basically, you know, they make it seem or paint a picture that you can do it overnight. But we know it takes a lot more than that. Yeah. So that's the opportunity we have on our show to discuss in the community. This is what you need to be doing today. And you need to be consistent in doing this so that you can do this tomorrow. Absolutely. So just a, another plug for your radio show. So Exit Strategies Radio Show. Check it out because here's the thing that I know, Corwin, is that there's a lot of real estate agents that struggle themselves sometimes just with paying their own bills, right? And I love that your mission statement is focused really on creating a legacy for your children's children's children is what I just heard you say, right? So it's definitely going beyond paying the bills. It's achieving your massive audacious goals. But beyond that, it's going beyond that. It's like, I want to have a great life myself. But when I'm not here anymore, I want my kids to have a great life. And you know what? I want to create enough that their kids can have a great life. So when you think about that depth, that level of depth, that's a lot to chew on. Anybody can achieve that with the right plan and strategies and your podcast, your radio show, you bring on all kinds of guests. I love it from all different types of, of walks of life and experience levels. And if you listen to his show over time, you will get nuggets out of each episode that will help you start your journey towards that. Because you, what you don't want to do is find yourself at the retirement age. You're ready to retire. Well, actually, earlier today, what did you what did you tell me? <laughs> so, you know, I tell our folks this and I share it freely. So, Scott, here we go. You know, most real estate agents, they don't have a plan to retire. They, they don't. Social Security don't fit our window. Right. You know, so if you don't build your own retirement, then how are you going to do it? And most agents are going to fall over at the closing table trying to get that one last deal in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. literally, I, I've done deals with. I remember thinking that a number of years ago, I, I, I was fortunate enough. You know, I didn't know he was a realtor, but he was a former politician here in Charleston. North Charleston is actually the first mayor of North Charleston. OK. And he was a real estate agent. I didn't know. 
So I happened to do a deal. I found this out. I'm doing deals. I did like two, three, four deals with them. And sitting at the closing table, we just kind of sitting around talking or whatever. And that's when I found out who he was. I was in my mind, I'm blown away. But at the time, he was 70 something, might have been 80 something years old at the closing table doing a real estate deal. And I don't know if he had to be there. I don't think he had to be. Right. I really don't think he had to be. But then I started thinking, I'm like, well, shoot, if I was that age, would I be doing this? What I want to do it, if I wanted to, that's different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You don't want to be in a situation where you have to Yeah, at that age. Yeah. And a lot of agents and people that I've worked with over years, sometimes I would see that where they were that age and they're still here, not because they want to be, but because they have to be. Yeah. And that's a game changer. Yeah. And I think one of the things that can help with that is treating this business as if it is your career because it is. And, and so many agents go year to year Think with the mindset of, you know what, I'm going I'm to give it another year and I'll see if I want to keep going, you know, and so many agents kind of go through this business that way. So I think the first thing, in my opinion, is you really have to own this as this is the career choice for you. This is what you've chosen to do. Now, how do you make it one that you can build wealth with and retire when you want to, if you want to, right? Like where the choice is yours, to your point. I need for them to understand what it is that I'm telling them, right? Yeah. yeah. So- in that, when you watch an agent, you know, you see an agent that comes from, let's say they had a full-time job. They work from eight o'clock to five o'clock. And when they become a realtor, when they go full-time, they don't show up in the office until 11 o'clock. At 12 o'clock, they go take a two-hour lunch break. And then they come back and then they leave and go home at three. And they wonder why they're not successful. Now, when you was working for somebody else, you showed up on time. You did what needed to be done or what you was asked to do or required to do during the time period you were there. You took lunch when and if they said you could at whatever time they said you could. And you went home at the end of the day. What have you? Right. Mm-hmm. When you get your own business, you throw all that away. And now because you have the freedom and the flexibility, you just think magically that business is going to just fall in your lap, that you don't have to follow up, that you don't have to source opportunity that you don't have to do any of those things. And that is so disheartening to see because in your own business, you should work harder than you work in someone else's. Yeah. Or oh, for sure. As hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's your life. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing. Imagine that you or somebody was a fly on the wall in your business, right? Or in your life, or maybe there's a hidden camera. Let's say there's a hidden camera in your car. There's one in your office. There's one everywhere you go, right? Recording every moment of your day. You're your own boss, right? As a real estate agent, you're your own boss. Would you fire yourself if you saw what you're not doing to be successful in this business? To your point, Corwin, when you had to show up nine to five, if you didn't show up nine to five and you didn't do the things you were supposed to do, you're going to get fired, right? So are you going to fire yourself as an agent, right? So think about that because you got to treat this business like a business. You got to treat it like you're a W-2 employee still. (laughs) So I'm going to give you one. This just popped in my head, but I think it's an awesome So, Scott, for you as a broker, for me as a broker, and for any other brokers that's listening, I challenge you to print out a bunch of pink slips. Mm -hmm. And in your next office meeting, give a pink slip to every agent and say, you're the boss. Would you fire yourself? Mm. And I bet you, I bet you that a good portion of your agents would sit there and seriously contemplate whether or not they should fire themselves. Right. 
Yeah, there'll be some that automatically will reject the idea. There'll be some that be like, no, I'm doing great. I'm good. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of them that's going to look and be like, ooh, yeah. 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 And that's a game changer because sometimes we have to shock ourselves into the reality. It's essentially for, you know, shock factor. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, you know, so many of us got into this business because of the flexibility. So I don't want to knock that because it's definitely a positive to being in this business is you can kind of manipulate your schedule to being able to drop off your kids at school or go to their school function and, and those types of things. So it's a lot more flexible than a W-2 job. See, the other reason why I got in besides the flexibility was the unlimited potential of income, right? If you want that part of this business to really show, show its face, you've got to put in the work and, and it's got to be disciplined. It's got to be consistent and you've got to have systems, right? So I, lo- I love that analogy and I just might do it. Although a lot of my agents are listeners of the podcast. So they're going to, they're going to hear the pink slip idea and, and they'll be on to me already. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, I got, a, I got another question for you here as it pertains to agents. And as we just talked about, some agents really struggle themselves with saving money. You know, you and I care too much about agents and about this industry to see agents get to that closing table because they have to, right? We want them to get to and feel like I get to be here and help the consumers in their legacy, right? So they also struggle with how to invest properly and being able to retire when they want to leave their own legacy. What are some thoughts that you have to help agents accomplish their financial goals? Any thoughts you have? So I'm going to take you back and bring you forward real quick. Yeah. I got into real estate and I started sales in real estate because I want to help people do what I want to do. I wanted, I explored real estate because I grew up with a grandfather was a carpenter. He, you know, built a house. I did all that work as a kid. You look at me now and I tell people very, very plainly and directly now, I hate that work. I'm not climbing on no roof. I'm too big. I ain't going underneath no house no more. I don't even touch a hammer unless somebody asks me to pass it to him. I legitimately here. Right, I'm good. Right. But my grandfather also oversaw properties, essentially did property management. And I wanted that piece of I wanted investment property and all those things. I wanted to accumulate and build wealth. And I knew and learned a long time ago and understood that God don't make no more dirt. Real estate is what it is, whatever's here. If you can get some of it, have more of it, then you're going to be positioned well and be able to create wealth as you go forward. Anyone who hits the lottery, most times they go buy a house, one of the first things they do, right? Yep. So that was, I knew wealth was amassed in and around real estate. You can make money anywhere. Sure. But wealth is owning something that is limited, right? So on the other side of that, when I got licensed, I wanted to help people do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So as an agent, we have to learn that piece of it. We have to learn the investment side of it and we have to participate. We oftentimes go into a situation with one set of glasses on, which essentially is blinding us to other opportunities. Right. We have to learn to put on the right set of glasses so that we aren't blinded by this limited opportunity. If an owner wants to sell a house, and you think it's a good deal, why don't you buy it? Yeah. If you look at the numbers and it's, okay, yeah, you can rent this or it is a rental. Right. It cash flows. It makes sense. I mean, we talked about this on on my show. People are doing things more creative. Now you got, you know, debt service ratio loans out there now. So if you're above the debt service ratio for it, that's a deal that you can take down. So start accumulating your own. Even if it's small properties, You know, you're saying, okay, well, I want to buy this and you're trying to work yourself up to it. Buy something smaller in between to 
amplify that. Buy you a smaller rental property and you're saving X amount of dollars from every deal. And then what happens is you got the smaller rental property starts throwing money off. So now that money plus the money you're still saving allows you to get to the next rental property. And then that starts throwing off money. You keep going and pretty soon you're amassing you know, cash flow between what you're saving and what's coming back to you that you can then leverage yourself to the larger property. So each property that you buy, you have essentially multiplied you know, by doing smaller properties to get to the larger property. And it can be anything. Yeah. You know, you can do that and reposition. You can 1031. You see people 1031 exchange out of this to that to this. And some of them do it all the way through until they get to the house that they want to retire to. They do a 1031 to that one and they hold it for a couple of years as a rental. And then they come back after retirement age when taxes are lower. And that's when they make it boot and boom, there yeah. you go. They saved a bunch of money. Yeah. Bunch of money. Right. And but one of the agents in my office, he moved here from Maryland. So he bought a property here maybe 20 years ago. Him and his wife decided that's where we want to retire to. They rented it out. The renters paid for the house, paid it off. Wow. When he moved here, yeah. he went in, did a bunch of renovations to update it to their standards or what they wanted because, but the house paid for. That's amazing. Yeah. So why aren't we all trying to do things like that? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Buy real estate yourself. Make sure you own your primary and then get into some other rental properties and go from there, huh? Love it. You remember new remember the movie New Jack City? Oh yeah. 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 You remember that? Oh yeah. So Nino Brown used to say, don't get high on your own supply, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember that? Remember that? Yeah. Real estate guys, we don't want to be Nino Brown. We want to participate. Yeah. Let me get some yeah. of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I remember with one of my clients actually walking her through a condo that didn't meet the rental cap yet. And uh-huh. it was such a good deal. And I knew it that at the end of the day, she's like, yeah, I don't know if I want this. And I said, if you don't buy it, I'm going to buy it. And she literally signed the contract that day. But I was serious. I was serious about it. But to your point, I think that when you start dabbling in that investing space, your mindset will be looking at homes differently. You'll be torn a home for a buyer. Maybe you're not even thinking about buying a rental property, but that thought will cross your mind. Like if you don't buy this, I'm going to buy it. And it should, you should. The first house I bought and owned personally, I showed to a client, it was an amazing deal. They didn't buy it. And I thought about it. I thought long and then it got away, right? Mm. Went on the contract, right? I came back again. I showed it to another buyer, right? Contract fell apart, came back, showed it to another buyer. Thinking about it, but hey, you know, if I represent you, I'm looking out for you first. I'll put myself second. Looked at it, same thing. That sucker went on the contract again. I'm like, ah, dang, <laughs> they didn't buy it. Okay, oh, wow. No problem. Wow. The next time that house came up, Scott, I went over, I walked that house, I put a contract on it. I bought it. Nice. First house I bought. I bought that house. That house had about $25,000 worth of equity on a hundred and at the time it was $125,000 house. What I paid for it, it was worth 150 something thousand. I had 20 some odd thousand dollars worth of equity in it day one. Wow. Day one. Nice. Nice. So then I repositioned, I leveraged it, but day one. So going to what you just said, Hey, if you see a great deal, Hey, if you don't buy it, I'm gonna buy it. Yep. Yep. And, and always put yourself in a position to have enough money in the bank to buy it, right? To have that 20% down or 25% down, whatever you need. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to start to wrap us up here because we're getting to our time. But I wanted to remind, since we're talking about realtor finances a little bit here, I just found out that NAR is hosting a webinar every Wednesday in February on realtor finances. 
So they understand right at the national level that we struggle sometimes, right? With how to save money, how to invest money. So if that is you and you're listening to this, definitely when you get those emails, don't delete them like you probably normally do. Check those out and maybe register for one or two of those because it's probably going to be changing your life a little bit from a financial perspective. But I do have a couple final wrap up questions for you. And the first one is what is one of the best books that you've read that maybe has helped shape who you are today? So that's interesting. It's been so many of them. So I'm a Grant Cardone fan, right? Okay. An ET fan. So Grant Cardone, 10X rule. When I got into listening, really listening to books and all that stuff, I, I listened to that one. It's been a few years ago. And that has been one that has kind of pushed me to say, okay, look, we got to go harder. We got to do this. And every time I find myself kind of falling back, I always think back to that book. I'm actually going to listen to it again. But we got to do 10 times what everybody else does. And it's okay. That's the piece that always I would struggle with because you want other everyone around you to be doing the same thing. Right. But everybody wants. Right. But that's one of the ones that I would I would probably say that has really shaped me. Awesome. Awesome. And then what about a piece of advice? I mean, you've you've definitely shared some good nuggets today, but is there a piece of advice that maybe stands out that you've been given over the years that, that really resonates with you? So some years ago, a friend of mine, he comes into my office one day and he, he got, you know, he's just here. And he, he said to me and actually all of our agents at the time in, the, in that office, he said, put your head down and do the work. Mm. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. You put your head down and you do the work. Mm. So that is something, you know, and I periodically get, you know, because I, I post about that periodically. So it comes up in my memories on, on Facebook to remind me to just what well, doesn't matter. All this other stuff going on around you. Put your head down and do the work. Awesome. Awesome. And if somebody wanted to connect with you, or maybe they had a referral for you in the Charleston, South Carolina area, or maybe they just wanted to learn more about financial literacy from you, how can they uh, get in touch with you? Well, I'm easy. So you can find me on social media at C. Millette on Facebook and Twitter. You can also reach me, Corwin at CorwinMillette.com. I mean, look here, Scott, I'm probably going to do something real bold. I give out my phone number. I tell people, Perfect. pass me out like I'm candy <laughs> and Christmas and all that stuff. But 843-364-3095. I mean, Scott, I really appreciate being on the show with you today. Well, we appreciate learning the wisdom from you, Corwin. And let me just recap a few nuggets from Corwin's episode today. One of his quotes earlier on, business is slow for slow-minded people. Love that. Love that. He also gave the analogy of, of breakfast, right? When you wake up, ask yourself, am I a chicken or am I a hog? Right? <laughs> I, love, I love that one. Nobody wants to be a chicken. And then also, would you accept a pink slip from yourself? Or would you rip it up, right? Would you say, no, I'm committed or I'm going to recommit. I'm going to rip up this pink slip, right? And then the last one I I wrote down, buy real estate yourself. This is the business you're in. Invest yourself. Get you some real estate. Get you some dirt. Like you said, it's, it's limited. And so it's likely only to go up. But Corwin, it's been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. We'll have to have you back on, but hope that you have a great weekend. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Awesome. Scott, my man, I appreciate you. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Turn to Dial Podcasts. Please check us out on Facebook or TikTok at Turn to Dial Coaching. We would also love for you to subscribe to our show and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. For more information on our coaching programs, please go to turntodialcoaching.com. Thanks for listening.